0: Good morning. How is everybody? Good? Awesome. Um, hey, this morning is kind of, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, you guys know, in over the last eight weeks, we've been talking through the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, and this morning is kind of going to be the ender to that. And so we're going to do something a little bit different towards the end of the service. But a couple things to preface uh, up front, we're going to be doing like an extended time of worship at the end. I'd ask some of you in this room that are here that you've been seeking God for things, if there's, you know, healing you've been seeking God for, or there's something in your life that you've been seeking him for, and you need prayer this morning, we're going to have time to come forward and uh, have people pray for you this morning. But I also, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned this book that I've been reading uh, as we've been going through this series, and the book is called Convergence, and uh, I have, I, I think there's like 13 copies of it over there on the table. If anybody wants a book to take with them, um, add, to go on from here and sort of continue to study the spiritual gifts, what are they, what, what of them do I possess, what do they look like, how do they function in the church, it's a great resource for you, and you can go, um, per, I think we paid like $15 a piece for those books, and if money's an issue, then just grab one, but Sarah will be manning the table at the end of the service, and you can grab one of those books if you want one. So, before we start, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up one more time with me, and we're going to do something a little bit different. I just, I want to spend like 30 seconds in silence, and and then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dig in this morning. And during this time, here's my challenge to you, that you take all the chaos of your week, everything you've had going on, maybe some of you are fighting on the way here this morning, who knows? Um, Let's set that aside this morning, and let's... Genuinely ask the Holy Spirit to have his way with us this morning. Amen. So just take like 30 seconds in silence and just turn your hearts to the Lord this morning. Jesus, what a gift silence is, what a gift it is to spend time in your presence, and uh, Jesus, I can just feel myself as I come up here this morning feeling tense and like I have to hurry and get to the main point and work through stuff, and I just am asking this morning, God, as we sort of submit ourselves to you this morning, that we'd find rest in you, we'd find peace in you. And as we seek you and we talk about these spiritual gifts that you've given us, I pray they just be released in our church. And so, God, we turn our affection, our attention, all of this time this morning to you. We pray that it would not point to man or anything that we can do or conjure up. This is about you, Jesus. And so I pray again, Lord, that you'd have your way with us, Lord, that you'd calm our hearts and turn our Years to hear from you this morning in Jesus's name, Amen. You guys may be seated. So as we were wrapping up this whole series on spiritual gifts, there's a couple things that we've been talking about as a staff and um, in our sermon group and trying to figure out like were there any things we missed or question there were were there questions that people had and and I and I will say one thing up front. If there's stuff that you're wrestling with, things you're trying to figure out, questions you have about spiritual gifts, about the Holy Spirit, man, we don't know, we don't have all the answers, but um, myself, our, our pastoral staff, our elders, like we'd love to be a resource if we can walk with you through any questions that you have. We'd love to try our best to answer them. But one of the things that I kept thinking through this whole series was why is it that spiritual gifts, why is it that the Holy Spirit is so important? And I I realized that it's a bit uncomfortable and it sort of opens this whole can of worms or this mess that many don't want to deal with once you start talking about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, because we think of our prior context, whether that's churches we've been in, people that we've engaged, ways we've seen them misused or whatever it is. But, The the reason why it's been so exciting for me to work through this is because I believe that knowing the Holy Spirit and and seeking the gifts of the Spirit that that God has graced us with actually present to the church a transformative future. Like there's something in that that we need. Because just doing the right things, just going to church, calling ourselves church, being Christians— in and of itself is not enough. We need the transformative power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we need to be acting on that power on a regular basis. But why is this so exciting? Because one, I think that Anthem CDA and and the Big C Church will actually begin to experience supernatural power that we haven't seen on a consistent basis before. Because people will hopefully begin to serve in a power that's not their own. I don't know about you, but I grew up around church. I've been around it long enough to know that when I try to do the right things and I just continue to just go through the motions, I just get fatigued. It's like so tiring to try to just be a Christian and do the things myself out of my own power. This is why we've been given the Holy Spirit, that it really isn't about utilizing our own power, conjuring it up within ourselves, but that God himself has given you a power through his Holy Spirit. I also believe that too, as I I watch the enemy wreak havoc on the church today, I watch division after division after division, people with irreconcilable differences that call themselves believers that exist in the church. Like I also believe that in us, in our pursuit of the spirit and his gifts, that there actually is reconciliation that begins to happen within the church that won't happen outside of the power of the spirit. And lastly, I think that this discussion has been exciting for me because it actually seeks to answer the question that I think haunts so many Bible-believing, faithful Christian people because we know that we're called to imitate and follow Jesus. But the question we always have is how do you imitate and follow the Holy Spirit? How does that happen in our lives? How do we hear from the Holy Spirit? How do we engage, how how are we led by the Holy Spirit? And it's impossible in our Western minds to sort of fathom, to wrap our brains around how in the world we do this. And so we basically say, we'll try our hardest, like we'll just do all the right things, but really we won't see any of the Holy Spirit stuff happening until we reach eternity. So in our minds, it's like, we'll try our best, but really there's a day coming in eternity when we'll see the fulfillment of all of this, which is true. But there's a portion of this at which the Lord has actually granted us to live into now. And what's interesting is that for those of us that are the most conservative in our approach to the Holy Spirit, we know and we would communicate that we're not saved by our works, right? Amen to that? And yet so often we keep trying to work harder in in hopes of imitating Jesus. Just do more and work harder. And yet this spiritual gift moment for you and I is sort of key to understanding how we begin to imitate Jesus without working harder or trying harder, just doing more. And it's this idea that Paul speaks of numerous times in his writing, and Peter mentions in his this idea of walking in the Spirit or living in the Spirit. Like, what does that actually mean? And there's two sort of critical passages that I want to look at today, and then I want to end with a passage that's sort of a a challenge and an encouragement to us. Uh, If you guys would look with me at John chapter 5, and I'll blast through these, John chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So Jesus the son only does what the father tells him to do. John fourteen twelve through 14 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So question, how in the world did Jesus hear what he was called to do? How did Jesus know what it was he was supposed to do? How did he see what God the Father was actually up to? And why in the world would Jesus say this, being that he's equal to God, uh, that he's equal to God the Father, and that Jesus is God? Like, it doesn't make sense when you think about it. That he did what the Father wanted him to do, but yet Jesus actually still is God. Like, where, what in the world? How does this work out? And then Jesus says, not, not to the apostles, but to everybody, he says, to anyone who believes in me, He says, you'll do the same things I'm doing and greater. Anybody ever read that passage before? Anybody ever been challenged by that passage before? Like, what is the greater? How do we do those things today? And my question is, have you actually seen that? We know that Jesus doesn't lie, but we don't see this in the church today. These, you'll do greater things than this, like, than I. We don't see these things happen. Oftentimes, I get to that passage and I go like, well, what gives? It seems like the church is really good at following forms and functions today and doing the right things, but not very good at actually following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You look at Philippians chapter 2. Um, this is otherwise known as the Christ hymn, and this passage was actually sung historically in churches for hundreds of years. Philippians 2.6 says this, who, though he was in the form of God, and this is a setup for you guys this morning, so just bear with me. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Anybody ever read that verse before? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So Paul starts with this idea that Jesus was actually in the form of God, right? That that his nature was God. Jesus' nature was God. Like you, you can't be in God's nature or in God's form and not be God. So Jesus was God. And this is not saying that Jesus was like God or that Jesus evolved into God, but that Jesus actually was God. And then in the same breath, Paul says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So what in the world is Paul saying that he didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped? That, that even though Jesus is God, he chose not to grasp, not to hold on to the privilege of who he was. Like, he, he did not stop being God. He did not empty himself of anything. But Jesus chose actually to not seize or take advantage of what he had in or who he was in God or who he was. Eugene Peterson said about this passage, he said, Jesus had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. So, how did Jesus do this? Philippians 2, 7 and 8 says this, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, God takes on flesh. God lives this perfect life, healing, loving, teaching, delivering. He he walks with the Father. He he dies this death that we all deserved. He he overcomes the grave. And the point that Paul is making here is that his life was marked by humility. His his life was marked by serving, even though he was equal with the Father. He was God, but yet he was humble and he was still a servant. And so then what's the response to that? Verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, notice that you have this full picture of Jesus, like, right, that he pre-existed, that there was this incarnation, that he became, God became flesh in Jesus, that that he dies this death on a cross, that he's being exalted to heaven. But in order to actually understand the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus's life, and your life, and the church's life, and the role of spiritual gifts, I think that we sort of have to ask a different question. So between Jesus's birth and Jesus's resurrection, what did it actually mean for Jesus to not cling to the advantages of being God himself? In other words, how did he always remain God and not use his godness? Does that make sense? Because there was a time between Jesus' birth and his resurrection when he wasn't healing. He wasn't teaching. There was a season in Jesus' life. It wasn't until he was 30 that Jesus begins to practice these things. And so how did he always remain God yet not use his godness. Like how did his nature in and of itself never change, but yet he chooses to not access it. And then Jesus never emptied himself of anything, but yet he chooses not to access the power that he had. And I don't know about you, but as I was reading through this, I'm thinking to myself, like, how do, how do we make sense of that? Like you go back to the Gospels in Luke chapter three and you see that Jesus is baptized, right? And that as he was praying, the heavens open up and it says that the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice comes down from heaven and it says to Jesus, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. And so out of the heavens, the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And listen to this. Go back to Genesis chapter one. It says that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters at creation. Listen to this. The the dove in the time of Noah. The the Holy Spirit overshadowed and filled Moses' tabernacle. The Holy Spirit overshadowed and the Holy Spirit Spirit filled Solomon's temple. The Holy Spirit overshadowed and filled Mary at Christmas. And now the Holy Spirit overshadows and fills Jesus himself. And so God is sort of creating this new temple, like God is doing a new thing in and through Jesus, and it began now in Christ. And here's the question, is why was Jesus given the Holy Spirit if Jesus was God? And so there's a tie back into you and I here. The Spirit was given to affirm Jesus' identity, right? Who he was. You're my son with whom I am well pleased. And so when Jesus is baptized, we're literally seeing God in his fullness. You have the Father's voice speaking to Jesus. You have the Spirit in the form of a dove. And you have Jesus, the Son of God, in the flesh. So you see the Trinity, these three pieces working together in this moment. But the second thing is that Jesus was given the Holy Spirit, um, or Jesus was given the Holy Spirit to be led, to, to be guided, to be empowered, to actually carry out the Father's will. And so think about this, in all of Jesus' life up to this point, Jesus never healed. Jesus never cast out a demon. Jesus didn't give a new teaching, like nobody was following Jesus. Like one time at 12 years old, Jesus is in the temple and the priest noticed how well he knows the scriptures, but that's about it. And yet right after the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, suddenly Jesus' ministry starts. And so you begin to see how Jesus walked with the Father, right, he heard the Father, he walked in the power of the Spirit. This is what it means. And here's where it gets kind of interesting is that this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus, God, to be led by the Father. And here's an interesting point, that without the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus would not have been able to bring good news or do ministry by choice. His choosing. What empowered Jesus to bring the good news and to perform these miracles and healings? It was the Holy Spirit that did that. And so, this is how Jesus chose not to grasp his power, not to grasp his, his, his divinity. Like, between his birth and his resurrection, he did only what he saw his dad wanting him to do. And he only did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus didn't do miraculous things out of his divinity, but actually out of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so cool when you think about how this relates to you and I and the model that Jesus is creating for us. And so if you look what happens in Luke chapter 4 after Jesus is baptized and Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, Luke 4.1 says this. And Jesus, it says, full of the Holy Spirit, first time, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Fast forward to verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And so here's the question. How did Jesus do all the amazing stuff yet not use his godness and never stop being God? Like the Sermon on the Mount, casting out demons, raising Lazarus from the dead. How did he do all of this stuff and remain being God himself and not yet access it? And the answer is this. I think Jesus used spiritual gifts like Jesus had the gift of teaching right miracles healing leadership like you see all of this there's this connection being made and if we as a local church have the same Holy Spirit and we're literally referenced as the body of Christ we have the same gifts then actually we can imitate Jesus and do the same things that Jesus did because actually Jesus isn't just our savior. Jesus is now our not just our lord, but in humility he decides to be our model. Like that which we follow in how he follows the father. He listens to the father. He's led by the Holy Spirit to do these things. Have you ever noticed how Jesus is always like leaving the party at the wrong time, right? There, there's like something crazy going on and it's like just getting good and revival's breaking out. There's 5,000 people, 10,000 people. Everybody's praising God. And Jesus is like, later, see you guys. Like I, I'm heading out for a little bit, right? And the people are going, what? Like, do you not see what's going on here? Like you're leaving? And Jesus is like, yep, gotta go. Where does Jesus go? Anybody. To pray, to go spend time with the Father. What was Jesus doing in this alone time he had? Resting, that's a portion of it. I mean, Jesus is human, but Jesus is praying. And and what we need to ask is, why was Jesus always doing that? Why did he do that? Because Jesus chose to be alone with the Father, to hear and to learn and to see what it is that the Father was up to because he wasn't using his divine abilities, right? He didn't know what to do next. Jesus used these spiritual practices like disciplines. They, they became these places where he could encounter God as followers of Jesus. After we become followers of Jesus, these are the rhythms and the things we begin to put in place in our life so we can tune our ears to his voice. Now, I will tell you from a person of experience, uh, I am an extroverted person. I would always choose to be around people. I would forego any silence opportunities in my life to just be around people because silence drives me nuts. You can ask my wife the older I get and the more time I spend with Jesus, I know that those are the times that I hear from him best. When I discipline my life in such a way that I will ignore the chaos of my life and the things that I so easily immerse myself in to peace out, even in the good stuff sometimes, to just spend time with Jesus. Many of you have been asking a question over the last two months, like, How do we know what spiritual gifts we have? How do we begin to put those things into place? Well, how did Jesus know what they were and know how to use them? He spent time with the Father. The Father led Jesus in everything he did. And the same goes for you and I. When we discipline our lives to actually practice these these spiritual disciplines, they sort of provide this environment for you and I for us to become formed by God, for us to actually hear from God as we're supposed to. This is what Dallas Willard said years ago. He said, my central claim is that we become like Christ by doing one thing, following him in his overall lifestyle that he chose for himself. What activities did Jesus practice? Solitude, silence, prayer, simplicity, sacrificial living, studying, meditation on God's word, meditation on God's ways, serving other people. And so these spiritual disciplines, these habits, are how like everyday, normal, broken Christians, like you and I, walk with God the way that Jesus did. We learn to discipline our lives in such a way that we can hear from him. So please understand me this morning. These things do not get God's attention, right? God doesn't say, oh, man, you're fasting? Like, I just need to listen a little bit closer. Like, what is it that you're saying? Like, you're fasting? Oh, like, I I just want to hear a little bit more. That's not what God does. These spiritual disciplines in our lives, they actually clear the space so we can actually hear and see properly. If you're asking the question this morning, why doesn't the Spirit move today like the Spirit moved in the book of Acts? There's a simple answer. Look around at our world and tell me what else we're totally consumed by these days. Everything. Everything. And how many of us are even piecing out from the good things at times to go spend time with Jesus, to hear from him so that we can continue to be a people that are led by him in all things? It's hard. So, all this to say, like, if we're going to be a people that desire to actually function in the gifts, to use these things, these gifts that God has for us, then there's three simple things that, that, that we're going to hear from God and be empowered by God to walk in the Spirit to utilize these gifts. There's three things we're going to do to do this. And I, these are oversimplifications. But honestly, church, my challenge to you this morning is that one, that we start to be a people of prayer. That we actually commit to prayer. That we realize this is how we connect with God. Like this is our lifeline. This is our communication line with God. Like we have to be a people to make time for this. And we have to both go to him with our prayers and go to others to pray for us. We have to, too. We have to be a people that are gonna be committed to God's word, Psalm 119 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Like many people don't connect walking in the spirit with reading God's word. But the word of God actually gives you instruction in how to live and the spirit enables you, empowers you to actually walk that out. The word and the spirit go together We cannot separate these two things. We can't be a totally word-led church. like We're just about truth and all we do is teach the word. And we're just about spirit and all we do is, we're led by the spirit. Wherever the spirit goes, we go. Like There's so much room for error in that. And there's so much room for legalism in this. And Jesus was the combo of the two. And he's our model. Three that we become a people who are committed to obedience. Quite honestly, like without obedience, it doesn't matter how much you pray and it doesn't matter how much you read your Bible. If you're not gonna do anything with the things that you hear from the Lord or the things that you read about him and the ways he instructs you, then it doesn't matter if you do any of those things to begin with. Because we need to be a people that commit to prayer and a people that commit to his word, and a people that commit to following through with the things he leads us to do as we immerse ourselves in those things as Jesus did. Walking in the spirit, this life in the spirit, involves those three things. And so coming out of this whole series on the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, my takeaway is this. Let's not be a church that talks talks about what if. What if we did this? What if God did this? Or, or a church that files away what we heard and what we learned and, and what we read and just goes on with life. My challenge to us is that we be a church that starts to do something about this. And I'm committed to continuing to put that before us because what I don't want to do is come out of this whole series where we're talking about the Holy Spirit and gifts and it's stirring some stuff up, we're asking questions, we're maybe taking some steps, in faith that we haven't been used to taking and then all of a sudden we get done with today and we move on. In two weeks we're going to start the book of Nehemiah. So then we're just going to be like, well now it's back to the word. We're just going to teach verse by verse of Nehemiah, file away what we learned back there, go on with our life. My prayer is like in trying to figure out how I can best put this before us on a regular basis to say continue to press into this. Continue to seek Jesus, pursue him engage him in ways that maybe you never have before maybe you need to run off into the mountains and spend some time with jesus for a few hours maybe that there, there, maybe prayer spiritual disciplines one of them is something that god's been laying upon your heart and ways for you to commune with god that you haven't before and yet you've felt this stirring in you of like i know i've got these gifts i know the lord's like empowered me for these things by his Holy Spirit. I don't know how to use them. And you keep asking the question, what is the gift? How do I use it? And even if you know what you have, like how in the world do I use that thing? And a very simplistic answer to that is, I believe if you spend some time with Jesus, that all of that will start to make sense. Draw near to him. That should be our first and foremost as a church, to draw near to Jesus, to be a church that pursues God diligently, a church that seeks Him, a church that asks for His gifts, and a church that as He gives them begins to walk in those things and use them. So I'm gonna be very real with you guys, and this is kind of, I'm almost done with my portion of this morning. But as I was thinking over the last eight weeks, Chris, what's the, what's the hindrance in your own life? Because like many of you, I've often asked the question like, man, what is my gift? Or maybe I know what one of them is or something. Um, How do I use it? And as I pondered that question over the last eight weeks, there's one primary hindrance that I can think of in my life that guards my heart from actually putting myself in a place of vulnerability and faith to actually trust God to move on those things he's put in me. I'm going to show you guys a picture this morning, and I, I, I wanted to show you a different one. I don't know if you can see it, but oh, it's so hard to see. This is the first ever Borders for Christ tour that we did in 2003. Most of the guys in that photo are like 16, 15 years old, with the exception of three of us. Half those guys on that, in that picture are no longer serving Jesus. One of them in that photo lives on the streets and is a drug addict. I've walked with so many people in my life that have literally seen God move in ways that we could not explain. I've watched them surrender their lives to Jesus coming out of complete messes in their life and knowing that the power of God was real. But I don't know sometimes how to reconcile the fact that So many of my friends have walked away and ended up worse off than they were prior. So many of my friends have seen God move in such powerful ways and yet have still continued to turn their backs on Jesus. I don't know how to reconcile the fact that I've prayed so many times for these guys and yet they're still at where they're at. And I don't know about you, but it wrecks me. And I think to myself, like, why would I want to continue to ask for those gifts and use those gifts if there's the potential that I'm just going to end up hurt again? About three months ago, um, the guy's, I don't know if he's in this room or not, but, um, there's a man that attends our church that I've known for a long time, and, um, he had come forward one Sunday and just said, I don't know why, but the Lord told me to come up here and he, he, he said that I needed to ask you to pray for me. And he went on to tell me like the injury that he had and everything that was going on with him and asked me to pray for him. And um, I prayed for him. It wasn't like this, like, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit came down and all of a sudden he was burning with fire and like, you know, everything was healed. It was like, that was really cool. I hadn't talked to him in years, known him for a long time, prayed for him, he left. About two weeks ago, somebody said to me, hey, you know, I was talking to so-and-so. Did you know that that Sunday that you prayed for him, like, like his pain has been significantly less since that moment? And I said, I'm like, no, he hasn't said anything to me. And so I started texting him. I'm like, is this real? Like, you know, like somebody told me this, like you didn't tell me that, like, is this for real? And he he called me back the other day. He's like, it's for real. Like I full-on attribute it to the Lord. And I reached those moments in my life where I realized, like, even though my heart can be jaded sometimes and hurt, and even though sometimes I fail to be vulnerable and take the steps of faith that the Lord wants, they, they seem like they used to be so easy for me. The older I get, the more death I see, the more marriages I watch collapse, the more people I watch turn from Jesus, the more heartache I see in people's lives. The older I get and the more that that happens, the more guarded my heart becomes. And yet there was a period in time when I would take every opportunity I could to share the gospel message with somebody as the Spirit led. There was a time in my life that I would pray for anybody with anything that was going on in their life because whether or not the Lord chose to answer that prayer in that moment, I was gonna pray it anyway. And yet, I find myself at 43 being somebody that's just like, well, I don't know if God's going to do it, so I'm just not going to do it. Well, remember the last time I did that, and this is where it got me. Well, go down the list of all the excuses we make. And what I wonder is, like, as a church, how do we get past these hindrances, the guardedness of our hearts, the jadedness? of our hearts as a result of the world we live in, heartache and things we've experienced in this life. How do we continue to trust Jesus with our hearts and our lives and allow him to lead us the way that Jesus intended for us to be led? Now to give you a little glimpse into maybe how ignorant I am. um, At 17 years old when I gave my life to Jesus, I opened the Bible, and I I opened it to 1 Peter, and that was the first book that I read. And there's a passage in 1 Peter that I want to share with you guys this morning, 1 Peter 4, 6 through 11. It says this, For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand, therefore... Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Does that convict anybody in this room? Like, I'll do it for you, but blah, blah, blah. As each has received a gift, and listen to this passage, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, and he ends it with this, amen. First text that I read as a new Christian, at that point in my life, I thought, well, what's the gift God's giving me? Oh, it's snowboarding. All right, I'm gonna use that for God's glory. You know, like, watch out, start a skateboard and snowboard ministry. Like that, there, there you go, like ten years of my life. Interesting that the Lord used that as kind of this instigator to propel me into that. Years later, looking back on this passage, I realize, what is it that He's referring to? As each has received a gift. These are the gifts that we've been talking about. As each has received a gift, each of you in this room has received a gift. What's he say to do with it? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. You want to see the very grace of God at work in a people. Look at the way he distributes the gifts across this room and realize by his grace, there's a diversity of gifts that exist in this room that when all used in sync, begin to serve one another and display the love of Christ to point people back to God. That's it. So none of it highlights us. None of those gifts make much of us. None of those gifts give us a platform. All of those gifts serve others. All of those gifts show God's love to others. All of those gifts are a display of God's grace in our lives because we don't deserve what it is he gave us. And all of those gifts have the power by the Holy Spirit to literally transform lives, to change them forever. And so my challenge to us as we come out of the last eight weeks is this. As each of you has received a gift, use it, use it, use it. Go serve one another. Be a banner that points to the very grace of God in our society. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, right? So prayer is the key. Don't do anything that would hinder your prayers. Keep you from praying. Pray. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's some of you in this room that literally have these gifts that God has given you, and the minute you step out to use them, you're frustrated because you don't like the gift that you have, or you don't like the people that God's asked you to serve with that gift, and so you just end up jaded and frustrated. It's like, I don't wanna use my gift on those people anymore, because last time I did that, it hurt me. So we end up being the people that show hospitality with grumbling. What does that say about God? Here's this amazing gift that he gave me, and I'm just going to grumble all the way through it. Oh, I wish I could, that person, blah, 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 blah. Get over it. (laughs) Let's be a church that actually acts on and uses these gifts that God has given us. Over the course of the last six weeks, I've seen numerous hands in this room raised, with people saying, these are the gifts that I believe I have, will you pray for me? And those are not just prayers, those are not just hands raised to acknowledge a gift that you have. The prayer is that you begin to act on them and use them as the Spirit would lead you. But you need to go to the Father first and ask him how he desires for those things to be used. So here's how we're gonna kinda wrap up this morning. In a second, I'm going to ask for any testimonies in this room. In the last eight weeks, maybe nobody will talk. (laughs) It's fine. But in the last eight weeks, is there anybody in this room that either God showed you something, a gift that he's given you for the first time, or maybe you've been able to use that gift in some way in the last eight weeks that's been significant, and it's been sort of a mile marker moment for you? Maybe there's a little story you want to share I'm going to open up the room. If anybody wants to share, go for it. After that, I'm going to have our elders come up here, and we're all going to stand. And I want our elders to pray for our congregation and commission us, like just kind of like to seal the last eight weeks and say, here's the gifts you guys have from your leadership at this church, we are going to pray God's commissioning on you, that you not only receive them, that they're not only identified, but you begin to be a people that are supernaturally empowered to go utilize those gifts. And then after that, we're going to take communion, and then we're going to spend some extended time in worship together. And if anybody wants to come forward for prayer, they're more than willing to do so. We'll have a prayer team up here, and we want to pray for the sick. We want to pray for the marriages in this room that are on the rocks. We want to pray for the people in this room that are struggling, that need the intervention of God in your life today. We want to pray and believe that that would happen. Is there anybody in this room that maybe in all boldness would say in the last eight weeks, like the Lord spoke to me or did something of significance in the last eight weeks that you'd be willing to share? And I'm just going on a limb to ask this.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah, and um, I'm in the Ministry of Young Life. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but we lead high school kids and hope that they end up knowing Jesus. But um, I've been listening to some of Chris's sermons at home because we have a little kid and little, three little kids, but I feel like the Lord has told me I have a gift of teaching because I love to teach God's word. Like, when he was giving the sermon, I'm so nervous, Sorry. <laughs> Whew, I'm not a speaker. I'm a teacher. Um, he was like, you know, teachers, when they, when someone's in need, they go, let's give a sermon or a, a Bible verse, not like bring them like goodies. I'm the person that's like, you're feeling anxious. Let me give you a, a verse about anxiety. Um, and so I feel like I was listening to the sermon and the Lord's like, how can you use that for this church that you want to be planted in? And I looked, and I'm like, I'm a mom with kids, and I would love to partner or start something where we can bring a teaching or a mom's group here at this church, where if anyone who knows way more than the Bible than I do want to partner with me, because I still have a lot to learn, but I wanna, I just want to get together and like read God's word and help moms who have like kids have child care and just be in God's word together. So... I feel like the Lord put it on my heart that I was like, I think I'll just talk to Chris one-on-one. But as soon as you said it, I was like, gosh, I got to stand up because I know that there is someone else in this room who goes, I can do that with you. I can partner with you. I also love to teach. I also can, you know, help bring childcare. And I just want to know and be in God's word more and teach it and learn. And that's my heart.
0: So... Little little do you know that we actually had like a mom's thing planned and didn't have anybody to lead it and we didn't start it. So I'm looking at Angela because I'm like, that's crazy. Okay. Um, anybody else? Yeah. I'm going to get my 5K in for the day.
2: So it was really fun in our home group. We've been together almost two years, so we've really kind of gotten to know each other. And one week, we kind of thought through what we thought maybe our gifts would be, and then we brought them to the group, and we talked them through, and gave each other feedback. And as we listened to each other, it was just, number one, it was fun, and we just realized how much diversity there was, even in our group. And um, I think it ended up giving us more hope, and kind of more inspiration, and more vision for what even can happen just in our group, individually, and as a group, in our church. it It was just a lot of fun.
0: any other brave souls I'm not missing anybody right you're pointing at somebody laura I don't know. <laughs> what oh there's there's a couple okay i'll i'll work back
3: This is like my nightmare because I hate talking in front of people. (laughs) But um, my family knows, and you know, um, our marriage has been really attacked for a long time. And um, you might have to help me because I can't. I believe I have the gift of mercy and I believe I have the gift of prophecy. And I've had these dreams recently, I told you about them, where I'm dying. And it's not scary, and it's like, I kept wondering, I kept praying, what are you trying to tell me, God? Um, And it came to me in his voice, and there's this war that's about to end in our family and in our marriage, and I felt it so strongly, and I've seen it every day since then, that God is intervening in our marriage and intervening in our life and changing things that I never, like, could have imagined were possible. Um... And I believe it's because we're supposed to be doing something with that at some point in our future. I believe that there's going to be a testimony that we're supposed to be bringing to the body of our church. And um, I don't know what that is yet, but I feel it really, really strongly in our marriage and in our family. Thank so. <laughs>
4: Um, okay, so I have been walking with the Lord for a while, but what I'm learning is that when the Lord speaks to me, a lot of times He'll speak in like a picture. And so, in the last couple weeks, uh, as I've been praying for people, um, one testimony would be I like was praying for this person and saw a picture of a pair of shoes, and they looked really worn out, and the laces were broken. And <laughs> and um. So I just felt on my heart to share with this person, like, hey, I'm seeing this picture of um, these shoes, and they're really worn out, and they look kind of old and tattered, and the laces aren't really holding together. And I just felt on my heart, like, the Lord is gonna, you know, bring new shoes to you. And I just felt like on this journey that the Lord was gonna like change their walk. Like their walk had been hard, and the Lord was gonna bring comfort to them in this next season. And this uh, person started crying, and they said, no one would know this, but it's kind of between me and the Lord, that, like, I I always wear my shoes out. And I laugh with the Lord that, like, oh, another shoelace broke. Oh, I'm wearing the hole in the bottom of my shoe. And so in that moment, like, she just knew that God saw her, loved her, like, knew what she was walking through, and knew that, like, he was going to bring her out of it. So for me, it's like a new season of, like, hearing God through images. So...
2: Hi, my name is Debbie Siemens, and um, several weeks ago, when Chris opened up with his message, um, he—I uh, should say first—I'm um, a new widow of going on eight months. I've been married 44 years, and it's been an incredible, surreal journey for me personally. Um, my husband was the one that led me to the Lord when I was 19, and. Um, So it's also a new experience for me to be alone. And so I've been um, lonely and feeling invisible and feeling very discouraged. Um, One of my gifts is encouragement. And when Chris shared this verse um, from John 16, seven, so let me say it again, this truth, it's better for you that I leave. If I do not leave, the friend won't come, but if I go, I'll send him to you and I thought, My husband left for something better for me. This is something better, and I felt so encouraged, and um, I feel like on a new path. I want to thank you for that.
0: All right. I'm going to ask our elders to come forward and um, sort of want to end this time praying for you guys. I have no idea how he's gifted you, what he's stirring in your hearts, but really do believe that, We want to kind of continue to fan this flame. And so uh, if you guys would stand with us. I'm just going to have each of our elders kind of pray a prayer of commissioning for us as a church. And um, those of you that aren't, like, charismatic are going to have a hard time with this. Would you just extend your hands towards heaven, towards Jesus, and let's pray.
5: Father, I just praise you and I thank you for the openness and for the ways that you have worked despite our weaknesses, despite ourselves. Father, you use these broken vessels, Father, to, to just do so many great things. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. It's not us. You have distributed this stuff among us these gifts, these, these visions, these desires. And, Father, they're all from you, and we don't have to worry, Father, about how it works, how you do it. Um, It's not in our hands, and I just thank you for these testimonies this morning of that and how your Holy Spirit works. Um, I just pray your blessing among all of these people, people that are still wondering, how are you using me? Father, you do the work. Just encourage them. Show them that you are surrounding them, that you are the one that has it in your hands father i just thank you for these words we pray so much for your gifts your glory for yourself to just be made known among our congregation among our families among our friends among the the neighborhoods that we we are just you put us in lord you have so many good great things to do and we just offer ourselves to you i just pray your blessing on all of these people and
6: uh and we just just give you the praise father thank you You can relax your hands for a minute. A brief introduction. My name is Henry. A folk hero American once said, you can hear a lot of things just by listening. Conversely, you can say a lot of things by speaking. Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the gift given. And as a congregation, I want to pray that we can call those things out In each other the fruit of the spirit is not gifts love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control that we can call these out one another you know i notice the gift of contentment and i just thank god for you for those things and do that when our communities and our friends uh, and people you meet so have eyes to see and ears to hear and as a congregation we can encourage one another by calling those things out okay let's pray Father we ask that you would change our hearts we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and convict to shower us with gifts Lord you'd make us worthy to receive the gifts that he has that he would dispense as he wills and Lord that you would uh, indicate, uh, change his will or change our hearts to receive his will in the gifts that we have help us to see those in others to not be lazy and say, oh, that's not for me. Uh, to call those out in one another, uh, encourage one another. So Lord Jesus, that this congregation that you have called Anthem would be uh, a glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Awesome. Um, we're going to transition to a time of communion. And so during this time, I'm going to have Angela come up. She's going to initiate communion for us this morning, but during this time, we're going to have a prayer team up front, and uh, I'll just say, if there's anybody in this, this room that needs prayer for healing, maybe there's an issue in your marriage, maybe there's something going on in your life, something that you need prayer for, and you just would like somebody to contend with you, to intercede on your behalf, then we want to provide people to do that, and ask you guys to be bold enough to ask. Come forward and ask for prayer. We don't by no means are we a church that would say God's going to heal everything all the time and he's always going to make it right. But that does not keep us from continuing to ask and trust that his will is perfect and it's good and that he will heal and he will mend in his time, in his way. And so um, this morning as we wrap up communion when Angela's done, feel free to come forward and receive prayer this morning, so.